Hello, and welcome to the third episode of Midwesternish, where we discuss philosophies of work, culture, and everything in between. Episode three's guest is Courtney Carpenter. Courtney is a sales manager at Spring Venture Group in Kansas City, where for months she has been leading a distributed workforce sales team pilot, the first of its kind for the company prior to the coronavirus pandemic. So join us as we talk about the future of remote work, as well as what remote leaders need to be thinking about that we aren't, and how to foster a winning culture from afar. Well, welcome, Courtney Carpenter, to uh, the third episode of Midwesternish. How are you today? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thank you for taking the time to do so. Uh, we appreciate your time tonight. Um, so for those who don't know Courtney, she is a sales manager at Spring Venture Group in Kansas City, and I'll let her introduce herself in greater detail here. Courtney, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Okay. Um, so yeah, I am a sales manager with Spring Venture Group. I started with Spring Venture Group in February of 2016. I was a sales agent for about a year and then moved into the sales coach position for about three or four weeks and then moved into the sales management position where I've been for the last three years or so. And then um, now more recently, I have joined the pilot program for managing a remote team within the organization. And that's come with a lot of new learning um, opportunities and different things like that. But it's been super exciting. And um, I mean, that's, that's pretty much my career path so far. Um, as far as how I got to SVG, to really get into that, uh, I had no anticipation of going into sales as a career. Um, mm-hmm. I had a psychology degree with a women's studies uh, minor and a leadership minor, and I just really had no idea what I wanted to do. But I had a um, kind of distant family member recommend Spring and and say that they were hiring and you know that you could make great money coming right out of school. You didn't have to have any experience. And I honestly, I did the interview for interviewing experience. So uh, that's Mm -hmm. kind of where things started. And, um, you know, surprisingly got the job because I I definitely know that the interview was was not as as great as it could have been. And it's been amazing ever since. I had no idea how much I would love sales and how much it would be, um, you know, just a really, really good fit for my skill set. So yeah, it's been kind of a wild ride since then. Yeah, so you didn't you didn't accrue as much interview experience as you probably hoped, but it turned into <laughs> quite the career so far. <laughs> Definitely, absolutely. Well, tell us a little bit about what that has been like moving from um, managing a team in office to managing solely remotely. And I think your experience is really interesting because um, the remote pilot for our company, Spring Venture Group, started right before everybody else went remote as well. So in a sense, like you started this whole thing. So what has that um, been like for you transitioning from having a team to then moving into hiring and managing a team without having met them? Because everybody else is moving into remote management already knowing their teams really well, having worked in a physical space with them, but you haven't. So what has that been like? 
Uh, it's definitely been interesting. I think that um, it definitely helped that I was such a big part of that hiring process. So I, I kind of got to know at least my team members for the most part, um, you know, from the, the very, their very first interaction with, with the company. So that much was certainly helpful. Um, but it's, it's been different for sure. I think that what surprised me maybe was just how similar a lot of things are, you know, we, we were in that training environment together and, you know, from, from the team side of it, I mean, they, they really struck, um, struck up friendships and relationships and connections right away. So that much um, in the remote environment wasn't entirely different. So I was a little bit more surprised at that, that, you know, they picked right up and, um, you know, we're holding like after training, you know, off the clock um, interactions mm -hmm. to study with one another and, doing video chats, of course. And, and so that much was actually a lot more similar than I would have expected. Um, mm -hmm. Some of the challenges, of course, are, you know, everybody wants to be able to meet up and kind of be in that same room or, you know, maybe have lunch together or go grab coffee, kind of that water cooler interaction doesn't happen so much. Um, but I, I, I would say that for the most part, you know, they're just as close as any other team that that is in office in that regard. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the things that Cody Ball spoke to was there was an initial assumption group that you were hiring wouldn't necessarily want or need that culture piece, but that um, you have been surprised to see it's um, just as much, if not more, team with them all being remote that connection are you seeing the same oh yeah for sure um i think that that's that's really really important and i don't i think that's no matter what environment that you're in and um, just to have that as like the common thread and kind of like really just like the heartbeat of of what you're doing so i think that that's super important yeah so let's talk about your management style now i think um, so I was on your team and a uh, great manager. One of the things that you're really good at is allowing people to feel like they can be themselves and feel comfortable in their own skin on your team. I think that everyone was very comfortable with each other in an office setting. How has that strength as a manager um, translated to remote management? How, how do you still allow people to feel like they can be themselves remotely? I think the first step is just recognizing, right? Recognizing people for their different character strengths and then relating those strengths to how they're seeing that success on their calls or in their own work and then praising them for that. I think that that is probably one of, you know, I'm, I'm very grateful to have learned that over time that one of the most, you know, underused uh, motivators is, is just praising your people and praising them for the character and, you know, the effort and the intentionality that went into their success um, versus just the results. So I would say recognizing that and then helping them see that as their strength too, that makes people feel comfortable to be exactly who they are. And, and I, I would say also like propels them toward that strength. So um, yeah, I think that 
answers that. It definitely does. Now, when we look at the big picture, um, obviously, the the pandemic that we're experiencing right now has changed the landscape of office life forever, um, at, at least for the foreseeable future. Um, what things do you think, having worked with solely remote employees managing them, what things do you think companies need to do to pivot long term um, to remote management and to engagement with a remote workforce that we're not doing right now? Ooh. Well, I would say the first piece would just be to not be afraid of it. Um, you know, I think that moving into this role, I think, and even just for remote workers, it, it takes a lot of courage to to step out into that role and kind of leave that safe space in the office and, and be a little bit more autonomous and and all of those things. So I think the first step is just not being afraid of it or, you know, having a ton of negative assumptions for what could happen. And instead just opening up, opening up to what the possibility of, of that work looks like. I think it is taking a step back from, from what we're so used to and, and just imagining those new possibilities. So what would I encourage them to do outside of that? Mm -hmm. Let's see. Hmm. I also yeah, take your time. I also think that one of the things that was beneficial is just ask, you know, asking we we were fortunate enough that we did have a few employees that were working remotely um that had kind of earned that right to to move home and they had these different qualifications and things like that is just, you know, asking people what, what works for them, what they enjoy about it. Um, all of those things are, are really, really important um, to kind of give you that perspective. I definitely read a few different books on remote leadership. And, and what I saw over and over again is this, it's, this, it's the same thing as far as like what you want to focus on and what's important. Um, just the actual functionality and execution is different. So I think that that's what I've seen as as the biggest difference is it's not so much a difference in how you lead people or, you know, your theory behind leading people. Um, it's more so the execution piece. And that just comes with practice and comes over time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, one of the things that you just said was that to not be afraid of it and to let go of um certain ways of behaving that we're used to as managers. What in your transition did you find yourself needing or wanting to let go of um, to make the remote management work better for you? Was there anything in the way that you were, that was sort of standard operating procedure that didn't necessarily translate to remote management? Yes. Um, that would be uh, for sure. One of the biggest differences for me was, I think in the office environment, it was much easier for me to multitask maybe. So be doing like mm -hmm. five to six different things at once, um, you know, be sitting out in the middle of my sales floor, very visible to my team, be able to hear all of them at once um, and then kind of pinpoint and, and coach um, live, but be able to kind of touch multiple people. Um, with that coaching all at once, whereas in the remote environment, 
um, you know, be it just with our tools, but also um, it's just much more efficient to really just focus your time and dedicate the time to each task. So, and just doing mm -hmm. one thing at a time. I think that that is what I found to be really interesting is that I have more time now that I am in the remote environment. I don't have as many office distractions. Um, you know, I don't have the mm -hmm. commute. So I've got more time, but I have to be that much more intentional about what I'm doing with each piece of my day, I think. Um, so that I've definitely had to learn to be more effective with my time management for sure. So more time, but also the need for more structure. Yes, 100%. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. And one thing that I've been thinking about is our strengths as leaders translating to remote management as well. What would you say are the two things? What is your greatest strength and as a, as a leader and how did it translate to remote management? And what was your greatest, we don't like to use the word weakness, but, you know, growth opportunity or whatever lingo you like to use. And how did that manifest uh, in remote management? Okay. Um, so I'm going to start with the weakest, the weakness. Um, I would say okay. Okay. <laughs> with outside of just time management, I think that one of the things that I struggle with is providing clear expectations or maybe um, direction. So I think I'm very good at giving expectations based on the values that we have as an organization and as a team. But that can be really broad. Mm -hmm. um, and I, what I've noticed, not even just in the remote environment, but even in the office environment as well, is that some people prefer a lot more direction and, and a lot more explicit expectations so that they know mm -hmm. what, what they're grading themselves on essentially, or how they can be successful. Um, me personally, I, I value autonomy a lot. Um, and I, I feel like I kind of, I like to be pointed in the, the right direction, but then from there, I want to find my own way to get there. Um, and so I can catch myself, you know, I guess, coaching in my own image in that way and, and providing almost too much freedom and too much uh, flexibility and ambiguity. Mm -hmm. So in the remote environment, I think it's really, really important that people know exactly what's expected of them. Um, and that gives them that sense of security and then sets them up for success. So that is definitely something that I need to be mm -hmm. better about and, and just be more intentional about, even if it's the smallest things like, you know, testing for absorption after um, a meeting or after we've talked about something or, you know, sending more recaps out about exactly what I meant so that everyone is receiving mm -hmm. that message and set up for success. I think that that is something that is really important. Um, mm -hmm. So that would be that. Absolutely. Yeah. And then the greatest strength. Greatest strength. I'm still, I think I'm going to go back to praising people for, for their strengths and for their character. I think that that is something that you have to be looking for the good and you have to be really paying attention and you have to make a point to tell people that they're doing a really great job. So I think that that would be one of my strengths. Um, and, and, and it's simple, you know, it's, it's, it's not something, you know, super crazy. I think everybody can do it. 
I just think it's, it's taking the time to be intentional about that. Yeah, absolutely. I think the two sort of truisms are more true than ever is that people become what you treat them like and also what you look for, you will find. And so I definitely resonate with that with remote management mm -hmm. as well. Um, so let's talk about, um, you know, the, the things that are the biggest drawbacks and the biggest things that you found as benefits with remote management that surprised you as you transition from managing remote or uh, in-office employees, I should say, to remote employees. What did you find that was an unexpected benefit to the new reality that you're working in? And what did you find that was a drawback and what have you done to, to address that? Okay. Well, this is, this one, I will say like this started right out of the gates uh, within the training program, I think uh, is where I was initially surprised by this. I think that what I was worried about a little bit was that in, you know, going over content and, you know, sitting in kind of that classroom style setting for the first couple of weeks of employment that our agents or, you know, our employees would be, it would be really hard to stay engaged and, um, you know, asking mm -hmm. questions and attentive and things like that. So I think that that, um, I was worried that we would, you know, put a question out to the group and, you know, only a few answers would come in and, you know, that, that they just may not be engaged in that environment. And actually what we found is that they were much more engaged. Uh, we had a lot more questions, a lot of feedback. Um, no one was mm -hmm. hesitating at all to ask for clarification and things like that. And so what that led to is actually, uh, as far as timelines go, I think that, you know, they were, they were super active and, and engaged in that environment, but it, it, it set us back um, from our usual classroom timing. So, so that was inter interesting mm -hmm. for sure. And that, that surprised me a little bit. I think that it's a little bit easier for people to ask questions in the remote environment. I don't know what that is about, you know, being in person and raising your hand in a group of 50 people versus, you know, raising your hand in that remote room. I, I, there's, there's probably some psychology mm -hmm. behind that of, um, you know, people feeling a little bit more brave. So that was surprising to me. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, one of the things that is common between any sales organization is a, the culture of winning. And every sales organization has a different iteration of it. Spring Venture Group has its own winning culture and, and what we do to get people bought into that culture. How have you worked to reproduce that in a remote environment with employees that you haven't met? What does it look like to build and buy in people uh, into a culture remotely? So I would say that that a lot of that happens organically throughout, you know, just from, from day one with the organization. I mean, with, whether it be mm -hmm. having, you know, the president of our company coming in and, and speaking with our agents, you know, within their first, you know, two weeks of, of being employed with us, or even just starting with the trainers and them kind of telling their story and, their expectations and their intentions for those interactions and the time spent with them um, all the way up to me. So I, I think that 
there is a lot of that that occurs prior to them even even joining me. Um, you know, we start it in the interview mm -hmm. process. We talk about what's important to us as an organization and how we conduct ourselves and what our values are. And so I think that that, that starts day one. And then by the time that they are on mm -hmm. our sales team, that um, really it's, it's, a, it's a team effort. It's, it's everybody's going towards the same, the same goals and the same vision. So it's not so much just my vision as it is, you know, bred throughout our, our onboarding process. Mm -hmm. So once they're in the team environment and, and aiming for sales goals, I think sales in particular, it's pretty easy um, for us to track the numbers, right? And, and see how we're doing on that front. And, you know, everybody has their own individual, um, you know, production number. But outside of that, I mean, those are those are the easy things, right? That, that's easy to look at. And, and those results, mm -hmm. um, those will, results will always come. But it's more so having that environment of celebrating good and sm celebrating small wins and celebrating each other. So that I think, you know, leading by example through that of, of that praise and, and celebrating those things is, is the best way for me to get people feeling as though they're winning and lifting each other up and lifting their teammates up and celebrating each other's wins. And um, that's where that environment comes in, I think. That's great. Now, now what um, has, you know, this whole process of moving from in office management before pre-pandemic pre we should say again like this was something you were doing before all of this happened so you were definitely ahead of the curve what has this um made you realize about yourself as a leader any insight just in general like what would you say you've realized about yourself mm, okay what have I realized about myself I think that I mean several things <laughs> Uh, number one, I need to <laughs> sure. be a little bit better about like turning off work. Uh, so actually like removing myself from my office and, and just, you know, work in general, just, you know, turning my brain off for a second. I think mm -hmm. that that is something that's been a little bit more difficult, uh, after the transition home, mm -hmm. uh, which of course I read about and I knew was a thing prior to actually doing this, but, um, knowing it and then practicing it are two very separate things. So that would be one. Yes. Um, and then the other, I think that I would say the second piece of it is the unintentional interactions maybe that occurred in the office. So you know, whether that's mm -hmm. literally at the water cooler. And I mean, so, <laughs> um, you know, walking to get water and, and, and bumping into someone and asking them about their day and, and just getting to kind of read their body language and their emotions and, and tell how someone is feeling um, in that interaction. I, I think mm -hmm. that there's a lot to be said for that. So I, I miss that a little bit of, you know, those, those in-office interactions that occur without um that intention i think that that is something that i missed a little bit i missed it a mm -hmm. little bit more than than what i would have thought um and i think it can be recreated mm -hmm. it's just getting creative on on how you do that um in the remote environment so maybe that i haven't quite figured out yet on on all fronts but mm -hmm. yeah i think that answers it yeah 
What does, um, what does trusting yourself look like as a remote leader? Because so much of that reading the room aspect is part of what we do, right? Like when we're delivering a message, whether it's in a meeting, um, in a one-on-one setting, like we can see the faces of those around us, read the body language, but remotely, um, you know, we might have webcams on, but at the end of that meeting, um, the screen goes dark and we're kind of staring back at ourselves. So what does it, what does it look like to trust yourself in a remote environment? And is it any different than um, in, in the, in the office? I definitely think it's, it's a little bit different. I think that you have to be really present. Um, I think that sometimes it's, it's easy, you know, when you're staring at a screen and you're, you're in a meeting, you, you know, in this instance, I like I have three screens up, right? So um, it's really, really mm-hmm. easy, I think, to, you know, see a message pop up on another screen or see an email pop up, um, whatever the case may be, and, and, and get distracted by that and, and kind of lose that presence uh, of, of what you're trying to convey. So I think that in those meetings, despite not having those, those nonverbal cues. Um, you know, I think, mm-hmm. I think your people want to hear from you. I think they want to learn from you. They're listening and you just have to trust that and, and be really present and be, you know, overly intentional mm-hmm. with, with everything that you're saying and stating those intentions at the beginning and then stating them again at the end of, of what you were, you know, trying to get convey and get across to them. Um, and then trusting that they that they absorb it, that they are there and and, and mm-hmm. wanting to hear from you. So I think that that's it's definitely harder, um, especially in the beginning. But once once you've done it enough mm-hmm. um, and you get to see those takeaways and see people implementing what you're saying or referencing what you had said and and that it made an impact on them, um, you know, once you see that, you you realize that you know, okay, people are they're listening and they care. And, you know, I just have to trust that Mm -hmm. and and go from there. That's great. You know, you're, you're you're talking about, you you talked less about trusting yourself and more about trusting your people, which I think says a lot, which is that um, you almost have to rely more on um, the team that you're leading and trusting that, um, you know, your role and and their role are interacting as it should. So that's great to hear. Um, You know, one thing that uh, we're kind of wrapping up here, I'm curious to hear is what would you say um, you want to impart to the audience here for those who are entering remote leadership for the first time or finding themselves unexpectedly in remote leadership, um, given that you planned this move for yourself before everything happened and this was something you were pursuing intentionally. What would you say to those who are finding themselves in the remote leadership unintentionally? I would say that the best thing that you can do for yourself is believe that your team, believe that your team is going to be patient with you. Um, You know, I think this is a Brene Brown quote that has really helped me a lot throughout this transition. I knew that there were going to be a lot of things that I did not know how to do and that I would have to kind of figure them out as I went. Um, But she says something along the lines of, um, I want to say it's 
I'm not gonna get, I'm not gonna get it right, but it's something about using your mistakes. Just go for it. Using your mistakes um, as as an opportunity to grow is 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 changing that failure into grace. So just trusting that your team is going to be patient with you and that you know they as long as they understand your intentions, um, then you'll be you'll be able mm-hmm. to to react and, and be better, um, having, having made that mistake, you know, that, that people are a lot more patient than, than we think. Um, and it's easy for us to have negative assumptions about an interaction or how a meeting went, or did that land the way I wanted it to? And, and we can think about those things all day long, but it's, it's more so just doing the best that you can and, and making that even better the next time. And then, you know, trusting that your people understand that you care about them and you want what's best for them. And and that's the best piece of advice that I think I could give. Yeah, I think that's really important because I think especially in a remote environment, the role of leadership feels um, much more so performative um, because you, um, you, you turn yourself on right before any interaction. There's, <laughs> there's not that organic sort of them seeing you not on. And so the stakes can feel implicitly higher as a remote leader with needing to get every interaction like quote unquote, right. And so, you know, that need for mistakes and grace and in remote leadership is, is still there and probably even more important, especially since we can't reproduce those sorts of organic moments of, of like our humanity and our imperfection. Definitely. Thanks again for joining us for another episode of Midwesternish. Be sure to visit us at midwesternish.com and stay tuned for more content coming soon.